Hi there everyone and welcome to another edition of Rethinking Lost. Today we're talking about J.J. Abrahams and whether he deserves the recognition he gets. Of course he does. everybody and welcome to episode 12 of Rethinking Lost, where today I'm going to enlist Elton to play the role of judge. Judge to see whether J.J. Abrams gets too much credit for the TV show Lost. I'll be presenting a little bit of evidence, a little bit of information, both for the prosecution and the defense, and I will uh, answer questions as best I can, certainly give Elton the opportunity to comment on as much of it as he wants, ask him any questions. I don't know a lot of the answers. We'll see. But ultimately, Elton will pass judgment on just how much credit J.J. Abrams should be getting for the television show Lost, in our humble, uninformed opinion. Yeah, because it's always J.J. Uh, Abrams' is Lost, isn't it? Oh, definitely. As that. He is certainly involved in the story. He was recruited to be a part of the show. And I have to admit also that I think he downplays his participation in the show at this point. But there are there are other people who certainly are significant players in Lost, in the Lost creation, that uh, don't get too much credit. And I'll tell you what actually brought this to, to light today. I had been saying on a couple of occasions that I knew Jack was originally intended to be a character who wasn't going to survive the pilot, that we knew that he might have been played by Michael Keaton at some point and those are bits and pieces of things that I knew were true but I knew there had to be more to it uh, a couple of years ago I had seen a couple articles online about how J.J. Abrams was brought into the creation of Lost may have even been on a DVD or something I'd seen and then just this past week or actually almost two weeks ago now an original script for Lost was released or leaked and it's currently now available on the Dark UFO page. Uh, luckily, it's a page you can get to without seeing any spoilers. And we will have a link for it in the show notes. But it's a 65-page pilot script authored by Jeffrey Lieber entitled Nowhere. And uh, I guess that's probably a good spot to start. Who Jeffrey Lieber is and what this script was. If we all flash back to... 2003. Uh, ABC television is struggling. A couple years earlier there was the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks and the chairman of ABC pitches the idea of making a castaway the series. Not just a story about Tom Hanks and his volleyball but kind of a, a similar series of events leading to a group of people being stuck on an island and it having a little bit of the survivor feel to it. Yeah, didn't they want a... Um... A rival to Survivor. Uh, it certainly is on a different network. I think it was it was to be a, a scripted version of Survivor, where yeah. you know, as a drama, they could certainly make people have sex, they could have people die, they could do things that aren't going to happen on the real Survivor. Yeah. So this this guy, Jeffrey Lieber, uh, was hired to write a story, and he was described to create, or he was sent out to create a hyper-realistic portrayal of life on a desert island. So he created this pilot script, Nowhere, 65 pages. Um, 
he was instructed not to have any supernatural elements in it. It was it was supposed to be realistic. And Lloyd Braun, the guy who had commissioned this, didn't like the script, didn't like a couple of rewrites in it. Ultimately, after a couple of, of minor rewrites and then some major rewrites, Lloyd Braun decided Jeffrey Lieber wasn't the right guy to do this. So he fired him. Oh, okay. Then Lloyd Braun goes and approaches J.J. Abrams and asks, you know, hey, I have this idea for a story. J.J. Abrams is working on Alias, but Lloyd Braun gets him to come in and, and you know, come come help me, like, make this, make this work. I really want to see this thing work. So Abrams, the one thing he gets a lot of credit for is the idea of making the island like a, a, a character or an entity or a force in the actual story. Right. Now here's my first that's a little bit for Abrams and now I'll, I'll offer you a little counterpoint against Abrams. There was a outline put together right around this time and uh, my source for this is a variety of things but I'm getting the Genesis of Lost page on Wikipedia and J.J. Abrams was pretty busy with Alias he was pretty wrapped up but it, he was willing to get into it and he had his team of people he brought in and he brought Damon Lindelof in. And Damon Lindelof wrote the 23-page outline that truly set the tone for Lost. So Lindelof wrote the outline, probably with input from a lot of people. He sat down with J.J. Abrams, they tweaked it a little bit, and they gave it to Lost. And and that's when Lloyd Braun says, this is the greatest thing ever, this is going to be the next ER, it's going to be fantastic. And, right. and they decided to pick up the show from the outline. Now, Lloyd Braun was leading this uh, television network that was going nowhere, going downhill fast. He was basically on his way out at Disney, uh, who owns ABC. So the ABC top executives, Michael Eisner, his right-hand man, they all decided Lost was just quotes attributed to them are a crazy project that's never going to work. It's a waste of time. And they're going to fire Lloyd Braun for this and a whole bunch of other decisions. So some people think Lloyd Braun greenlit Lost just to stick it to them one last time on his way out the door oh. uh, it's somewhere there's quotes saying attributing to that sentiment to Abrams and Lindelof and all as well but uh, so we have Damon Lindelof and J.J. Abrams working on this pilot they're developing what they call the show bible that's where they kind of um, map out key things that they want to incorporate or not violate over the course of, of the story whatever it ends up being yeah they're um, going to set their structure out in that book right and then Carlton Cuse comes in also. Now Carlton Damon and Carlton are the two guys who do the Lost podcast, the official Lost podcast. Mm-hmm. I think now they're basically the face of the show, and I think they've been the face of the show for at least the last three years, if not longer. Oh, yeah, for a long time. And I, I think they've had as much of a role, if not a greater role, in Lost than than J.J. Abrams. And, and I'll, I'll preface again that I might be totally wrong, but... I get the sense Abrams gets too much credit. So well, let's take a minute now and go back to this this Jeffrey Lieber script, which has only just been released. It's very long. I know Elton hasn't had a chance to read it, and I've only skimmed it. Without having that, I can tell you that Jeffrey Lieber sued for creatorship rights for Lost. You know, he felt like he put so much time into what he did, and and the end result was similar enough that he should get credit as one of the creators of Lost. 
it was appealed to the Writers Guild of America and, and someone arbitrated and he actually gets 60% credit. Really? 60% creatorship credit and the remaining 40% is split between Abrams and Lindelof. And when uh, Lost was nominated for an Emmy in 2005 for that pilot, he's credited as one of the writers. This guy whose script was rejected a year earlier. Well, I think that's only right though, isn't it? Well, there's there are some similarities to the characters. There's it's not entirely. I mean, there's no Jacob, there's no Jack per se. No, there was none of that at the time. But if he's um, written up this script that's been handed over, and then it can sow seeds in other people's minds, can't it? Of what? Okay, well, I didn't think of that. Let's go in that direction. So I think that's all well and good there. I agree with you. And that brings up another point. In 1977, a TV producer named Anthony Spinner was asked by ABC to create a pilot for a TV show called Lost. It was about a group of people who survive on a plane crash on a seemingly deserted but mysterious island. He wrote a 121-page script, and he was paid for it, but the pilot was never made. He tried to resubmit it in 1991 and in 1994. To no effect, though. No effect, no. His story... It was about a plane crash on a tropical island, seemingly deserted, but not. But it goes a little further. It has characters such as a drug addict, a female lead with a criminal past. There's the female character torn between two men. There are certain characters who bear similarities to Locke, Saeed, and Sawyer. Sailing a bit too close to the wind, then. Yeah. And um, there was a relationship such as Shannon and Saeed's. And, you know, it, it's basically... Another instance where, at the very least, there was an idea put in someone's head, and you could certainly argue that uh, this person should get credit. Now, he sued in 2005, and it was dismissed because of improper procedure. Right. But he, it has been refiled, this more recent lawsuit, so it'll be interesting to see whether, whether that actually takes off and becomes a, a more compelling or equally compelling uh, source of loss. Well, would you say that um, J.J. Abrahams was led more along the lines with these uh, other pilots, such as Nowhere and the other Lost that was written in 1977, and then other films such as Lord of the Flies? Well, yeah, I, th- I think there was definitely a context. He, he was basically given something to work with and, and asked to fix it. Yeah. And I'll give him credit if he's the one who introduced this kind of more mystic uh, science fiction-y element to it. Yeah. When did Castaway with the the Tom Hanks come out? That was oh, early 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was around 2001. Yeah, maybe that was like a, a lever towards actually coming on, along to this uh, pilot. Maybe they're quite surprised on how well that was taken. Uh, yeah, I think that and Survivor put together maybe gave them the indication that it, if they could control their own survivor group artificially with a, a drama series it might work yeah but even that so there's there's the idea of whether he came up with the idea or just tweaked it so that's that's one thing that you'll have to ultimately educate or adjudicate whatever the word is yeah <laughs> adjudicate I'm, there's very few original ideas out there aren't there Especially in Hollywood and other places like that. And I don't think there was much 
apart from Survivor, which I think we got a, a copycat version of, and apart from that, then there's not a lot on TV around this sort of thing. You know, a lot of cowboy films haven't been made recently, and I'm sure once someone hits a jackpot with a cowboy film, then there'll be three or four after that as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's only so many different ways you can tell the story of a plane crash and survivors on an island. Yeah. If if they're going to build shelters, they're going to build shelters. If they're going to find someone already on the island, it's it's going to be that way. Mm. Some of the things that did kind of come to play that maybe, again, Abrams might be getting too much credit for, or maybe I'm not giving him enough, have to do with the cast. So you have the Hurley character, you have Sawyer, you have Jack, you have Kate all these we, we talked before about Jack originally being envisioned to be Michael Keaton yeah uh, and according to Wikipedia and other sources Michael Keaton must have actually sent a script the idea to have Jack die in the first episode stayed in place until the week before shooting began but the production company behind Lost it's uh, Touchstone Pictures they felt that the audience had to see Jack live they couldn't just you know have him be there like a hero and kill him halfway through the episode so uh, as someone had mentioned to us in one of our feedbacks uh, Greg Grunberg was written into the script at that point the pilot was written in to be killed by the monster instead of Jack hmm okay so Matthew Fox was cast as Jack he had also read for the part of Sawyer along with Dominic Monaghan Jorge Garcia and Josh Holloway yep the original conception of Sawyer was as a suit wearing con man I think where um, Dominic and Jorge had read for Sawyer I think that was the only script available though wasn't it and they didn't have the Hurley character written out and they didn't have the Charlie character written out well the Hurley character was created after meeting uh, Jorge that they wanted a part for him created specifically for Jorge yep but I think he went into the studio and read the script of Sawyer. He wasn't actually going for the part of Sawyer. I think he was just going for a part on the TV show. It could be. That would make sense. And a the lot Charlie of people... character did exist already in the plot. Oh, okay. The, it, but it was envisioned to be more of an older has-been. Right, okay. And it was changed into a younger one-hit wonder when they decided uh, Dominic Monaghan would be the best fit for that. Oh, who would have been a good has-been rocker then, if he hadn't come along? Oh, I keep, I keep thinking of uh, the guy who played Jim on Taxi and the Klingon in in uh, Star Trek Three. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I picture him just as that stoned-out kind of rocker. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Richard E. Grant. What about him? I don't know who he is. Oh, okay, well, forget I said that then. <laughs> I guess I'm picturing, if it's going to be an older, I'm picturing like a Rolling Stones, uh, Aerosmith kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's either going to have to be really young or really old. Yeah. And this kind of made sense, you know, one hit wonder, almost in denial that they're a nobody. Uh, it says here, several characters were not in the original outline. Some of them were actually written specifically for actors who made an impression during auditions for other characters. First character to be cast for the show was Hurley, created specifically for Jorge Garcia. Likewise, uh, when Yunjin Kim revealed that she spoke fluent Korean, 
The character of Sun was created specifically for her. Meanwhile, the character of Saeed was also not in the original outline and was created for actor Naveen Andrews. Okay. That's tough to imagine not having Saeed in there. Yeah, he's such a strong uh, character in there, though, isn't he? Yeah, I, I... could see no Hurley because he's really just the fans. I mean, there, there's not much. You know, he's he's that the interaction that we wish we could have with the characters. He says the things we're thinking, but Saeed is actually a, a piece of the plot. Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon they were thinking that at the time when uh, Jorge walked in and thought, "Oh, okay, he can be our voice piece." Could be. I mean, he's such a likable person in real life. Mm. I think if, if that came across in the auditions, it's possible. Yeah. Now you remember Kate was originally intended to be kind of an older woman. Yep. All right. Well, I've overstated in the past how old, or this is different information. It says Kate was originally written to be a woman in her late twenties and thirties who was married. Her husband would have been missing following the crash since he would have been in the tail section of the plane and Kate's quest to find him would have been the character's main motivations. After Jack's planned death, Kate was to assume leadership of the survivors. Who does that sound like that I just described? Oh, that's Rose, isn't yes. it? The but, ideas for this character were ultimately scrapped and some of them were passed on to the character of Rose. Yeah, that would have dragged on far too much though, I think. If, oh, yeah. It's a bit like Michael looking for Walt all the time. Or I, I now son. analogy. Yeah, now son looking for uh, her husband, Jin. It just seems to go on and on a little bit too much. Well, here's the interesting thing. Both Evangeline Lilly and Yunjin Kim auditioned for the role of Kate. So son could have been Kate. Obviously, she would have played the part differently, but that would have... That would have worked. Uh, Strength-wise, yes, but I, I can't picture... I just don't see Sun being so emotional as Kate is, or so love triangly and and unstable. Kate's yeah. so unstable as a character. Yeah. Lily was the preferred choice, but she couldn't get her visa cleared. So right up until shooting started, they were auditioning other actresses. So it's interesting to think of, of what might have been and how it could have turned out differently. I don't know, again... Do we give J.J. Abrams credit for saying, I like Hurley, I want to give create a part for him, or I want a Saeed, or was that maybe other people, Carlton Cuse, Damon Lindelof? When you see interviews, a lot of times Carlton Cuse seems to be the one who played a real big role in, in the casting. Yeah, it's the, the Cuse and Lindelof. that They're the face of the program now, and... They're the ones that seem to have all, all the decisions made, and it just seems J.J. Abrahams has got his name tacked onto this program. Yeah, a, a couple of things that are definitely attributed to J.J. Abrams, at least partly, um, was the idea of finding a hatch on the island. But even that, it's Abrams and Lindelof had get credit for it jointly. Uh, most of the show's mythology came up later, and it's Lindelof and Carlton Cuse who who made a lot of these things happen. If it wasn't in the pilot, it pretty much came from Lindelof and Cuse. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, with a couple of exceptions, but not many. So when they set their Bible out, do you reckon he had any dealings with the Bible and any anything to do with it? Oh, 
let's encounter time travel in season three or season four? I don't know. I've seen interviews with Abrams and Lindelof and Cuse who talk about how time travel's always been part of the story, and mm. now that we're at season four, you can you can can see that. But I I don't think so. I don't give him credit for that. I think I can give Abrams credit for setting the stage, for for helping create the place where it all happened. Yeah. But as far as um, the things that happened in season five with going back in time, I mean, you can't give him any credit for Ben. You can't give him any credit no. for, well, maybe Desmond, but. Well, if he's come up with the idea of the hatch, that's fine. But the worlds between season one and season two, they're just vastly so far apart. You've got everything above board on the island in season one, and it's just a, a romp around an island, really, isn't it? Season two, yeah. you're going underneath the island, and you, you've got this whole new world open up to you. Yeah, and they're exploring things in season one. They're finding the meaning behind it afterward. Well, yeah, yeah, they're just trying to find themselves on the island, aren't they? Yeah. And towards the end of the season, they just want to get off the island, and you're thinking, okay, well, this isn't going to go very far if they get off the island now. When they when they're sailing off on their raft, but when once you're down in the hatch in season two and you got the button and locks in front of the computer, typing out the numbers, you think bloody hell, you know this is going to go a hell of a lot further than what we all thought at the end of season one. Now we found out that Desmond knew Jack in season two. Yeah, but we did see some other connections between characters. But thinking back, it was a really. Was it that clear how interconnected the characters were going to be in season one? Or maybe even in hindsight, have those connections been downplayed since season one? Maybe I'm remembering mm. wrong, but... See, on first viewing, I don't think a lot of people actually saw the connections between the uh, the people. No, I think it's the season two or season three DVD where they actually have like a a whole little interactive thing that's supposed to show some of the connections between the two. Yeah. But, between all the characters. But when it's first aired, no one knows what's going on with this program. No mm -hmm. one knows that any of these people are going to be linked. And when you see other people in flashbacks, we now know that they're in them the flashbacks, don't we? Yeah. But at the time of airing, we wouldn't have seen... We wouldn't have noticed it. Or a lot of people would not have noticed it. So you would you agree you could give Abrams credit for... Some of the things the island is not, you know, if they they decided it wasn't purgatory, they decided it wasn't uh, someone in a coma, it wasn't a little mini snow globe that yeah, they were I'd, all living within. I'd say they were shot down straight away. Yes, but not necessarily what it would be, just kind of... Yeah, more it, what it's not going to be, let's steer, steer clear from these ideas. Right, so and metaphorically, it's it's a road, and he's already said these, these roads, side roads are closed, you can... You're on your own where you go beyond that. Yeah. All right. I can see that. Yeah, and I'll I, go with that. I think, too, as it's been a fairly interactive show, even though you know they're, they're already filming for next season and, and there are always several episodes ahead, I think season to season, they have a sense of of the fans' interest in it and, and what things we'd like answers for and what we want to see explored a little deeper. 
And so some of those answers probably came up after the fact. I wonder how many episodes Abrams has, has actually written. Right, he's a co-writer in the two-part pilot episode, Pilot Part 1, Pilot Part 2. He ultimately only ended up co-writing the season three premiere, Tale of Two Cities, together with Damon Lindelof. Right, well, so now there again you have a little bit of of who and what, like how these others were on the island ahead of time, right? That's that's when they see the plane crash from their point of view. and Yeah. See Juliet, okay. So nothing in season two. No, it doesn't seem like it, no. Uh, Mobisode, The Envelope. Some of those, I think, were deleted scenes. So yeah, it looks like there's a deleted scene from A Tale of Two Cities, yeah. So, I wonder when he actually co-wrote this season three premiere, then. It may even be similar to this um, writer of the Nowhere script. Yeah. That because it incorporated ideas from that original brainstorming of, of who was where and who was on the island and such... Uh, that he get a writing credit. Gotcha. No, that, that, that seems plausible because he may have had ideas up until that point and they might have been tabled and maybe somewhere along the line on the meeting. Oh, do you remember what he said? Remember when old JJ said this? And, you know, this is a good idea. Let's bring that in there. That that could have happened. Right, and it's not like they have a an adversarial relationship, I'm sure. It's probably the kind of situation where if they can share credit with each other, they're happy to. They're, yeah. They're certainly not saying, I, you know, I should get this and I should get that. It's, it's a way to get him a little more money. It, it shows, even just by doing that, it probably helps promote the show that J.J. Abrams is still involved. Yeah, yeah. Are you happy that people still see his name as J.J. Oh, Abrahams lost? I, uh, I didn't bo- it doesn't bother me in any significant way other than I just don't see him doing much. I think if, if you want to get information, you want to get answers, you want to know what's going on, you got to go to Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know them. I feel a little bad for them if, that it's, it's um, not a spotlight being shown on them. And I think when people saw that J.J. Abrams was doing Star Trek and, and they knew he was associated with Lost, they kind of figured the success of one could be equated to the other, and I just... I don't know. I, I didn't feel... I, maybe I don't understand what a producer or a director and such do. Well, he's completely. got a lot of a lot of hype from uh, Alias as well. Now, I've never seen Alias, but I've heard of... Well, heard a lot of talk about it being really, really good. And I have thought about going in, into it after Lost is all finished, so... I may still do that, but he also got a lot of hype from uh, Mission Impossible 3 as well. Well, I, you know, when someone's a director or a producer, I, a director certainly have a lot of hands-on, and I always picture a producer being basically the money behind. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, the, it's their connections that help bring people together to make this movie, but or this show, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think too often credit is assigned and for me when I look at that I just figure well the genre of things that they like to work on the spin they put on things whether it's like with J.J. Abrams it's this this uh, X-Files-y kind of quality yeah, or even just the quality of projects they choose to work on you know they, they usually aren't associated with a dud that's, that's basically the kind of connections I like to make 
and it seems like J.J. Abrams gets a lot more <laughs> credit for successes, and and I'm sure he's been associated with uh, some duds that just aren't as high profile. Mm. Did you enjoy Cloverfield? I did, but I wanted a Godzilla movie, right? And it it didn't feel that to me. It was almost more like a horror movie of that, okay. like you know, running away from the blob kind of tension. Did you like it? I. Yeah, to be honest, I really enjoyed it. The only bit I didn't really enjoy was when they were down in the subway and the the baby little monsters were running after them. And there's a lot more into this. There was um, there was supposed to be a, a freeze frame at the very end of the film where you can see something falling down into the sea, and apparently oh. that's where it, the the monster came from. Or well, I've I've heard that. I've also heard it's a satellite falling down into the sea and all that created the monster and stuff like that. Obviously, we'll never know where it comes from. But there's also a, a Dharma logo at the start of Cloverfield, and What's there's the 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 reversed uh, speaking at the end of right Cloverfield. at the end that it it's still live. Yeah, but that also uh, goes back to maybe the whispers and stuff like that. Maybe you know, that's an idea that is leached from Lost over to Cloverfield. Yeah. And that's where we talk about what you can give credit for, what you can carry with a, a producer and such. The whole backstory they created for Cloverfield, um, uh, all the fake websites and, and viral marketing and stuff, I, obviously he didn't do it, but he brings that kind of thing to his projects. And so... Yeah, I, I didn't see any of these fake websites, but I remember when... Uh, Oh, they're still they're still online. A lot of them, Slush Show, and and uh, there were things where you could see photographs from the party at, right. in Cloverfield, and and then there's little clues on the back and all. See, that's an idea just come from. Do you remember when uh, the Blair Witch Project was released? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of websites about that as well. And I had a lot of friends that actually believed everything about the the Blair mm-hmm. Witch Project, and. You know, I got sucked into it as well because I was like, okay, this internet thing, this is quite new. Do, 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 do. And you do tend to get sucked into it. Yeah. It's, it's a great way of doing it, though. But now I think if if you try and do it and do it again, then you, you're you not going to have the success of Blair Witch Project or Cloverfield. Right. It's this idea of these alternate reality games, and we have one every season for Lost, and there's... I mean, they're neat. But if they're not very well executed and, and well contained, they start to get holes in them and you get uh, copycats with people making fake sites that kind of undermine what you're doing. Yeah. I think there's obviously a lot of people who contributed to Lost and, and you can never list all of them. There's always – it's very common for um, a single person to get credit on the surface for what a lot of people do. And and you never know how much they share the credit behind the closed doors. Yeah, obviously, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof are perfectly happy doing what they're doing. They don't feel slighted. But I just feel like when when the next show comes out and it's executive produced by J.J. Abrams, that means too much to people. I, to me, that that just means I can maybe take a second look at whether I want to watch the show or not. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have the same quality writing or be the same same overall project. Yeah. So I'll leave it to you to uh, pass judgment. Whether you feel... To what extent do you feel J.J. Abrams should get credit? 
The Writers Guild of America has given him 20% creation credit of the television show Lost. And then, I guess, realistically, he only gets credit for writing one more episode over the next five seasons, co-writing. Yeah. See, Do you feel he deserves more than that, or about that much? Um, I think, yeah, definitely the, the 20% uh, number given out there. Definitely, absolutely, 100%. Mm -hmm. No, not 100% on the 20%, but <laughs> yes, he definitely deserves that. But in the media and in other programs, he, it just seems that he gets more than these 20% share. Yeah, I think he gets, I think people acknowledge there's other folks involved, but he gets the lion's share. He gets 50-60% credit Yeah. for not only creating, but the continued success of. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, yeah. think of how many things you can look at online of a, a panel, and it's Matthew Fox, Evangeline Lilly, Dominic Monaghan, Naveen Andrews, maybe Carlton Cuse, and J.J. Abrams. <laughs> like, he's there talking about the show still at this point. Uh, not at Comic-Con, that's generally um, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse get to yeah. do that. But, you know, some of those, um, like the Biography Channel has... Uh, behind the scenes and such, and it's JJ, JJ, JJ. Yeah, there was one thing I, I did actually read here. Hang on a minute, let me find it. Abrams is still credited as an executive producer of the show in season five. Uh, Abrams would not be involved in season six. He thinks Damon and Colton themselves should finish what they have have been doing with the show. He's also rejected the idea of directing the se series finale, which he's given to Jack Bender. So, yeah, okay, fair enough, fair play. He doesn't want to jump on that bandwagon. It, it's kind of a, um, in sport where you, ha you have a, a guy out injured all season and then he wants to come back for the final. And I'm glad that hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, let me read you the description, job description of an executive producer. An executive producer can roll up his sleeves and really get in the production... Or it can simply be a well-known producer or director who lends his name to a project to give it greater visibility. Steven Spielberg, George Clooney, and others have been listed as, as executive producers for films without taking any active role in the production process. Mm -hmm. So I would think largely that's what we're seeing at this point. All right, then. Let's wrap it up with J.J. <laughs> right. uh, Abrams. Yes, well done. Thank you very much for bringing it. Everyone else, Thanks. remember, there's a billion other people behind this as well. Yes, thank you for helping it along, but uh, and thank you for not claiming you deserve 100% of the credit. But I think it's time for everyone else not to worry about what J.J. Abrams' next TV show or movie is going to be, but to find out where Carlton Cuse is going, where Dame Lindelof's going, where Jack Bender's going. Mm. That's the show you want to watch in 2011. Yeah. And they may all be together. I'll tell you who else do need credit for this as well. Um, all the podcasters out there. Because I think they've created a fantastic community out there. And yeah. they've latched onto this great program. And I don't think it would be half the program it is now without all these podcasts diving in and uh, analysing everything about the show. No, because people would miss so much. People would forget about it over the summer. Yeah. It definitely has a following, and it. I'll be interested to see what out of these this next wave. I know Jay and Jack were talking about doing a podcast for Flash Forward, 
and yeah. one for V. I know Fringe has a couple of podcasts, but nothing has the following that, that Lost does. And I think you're right. I think it, it definitely makes a show that's pretty cerebral accessible to to people who like to be casual viewers. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess we'll be back in another week. We'll take a look at a couple of things. Maybe we'll talk some time travel or some of the other things that have been looked at over the last couple of years. Yeah. We've also got some emails that we have to read out for next week as well. So keep them coming in as well. So, yep. Thank you all for the retweets and the I, things I overhear different places as people are plugging the show. Thank you very much. The iTunes reviews, the whole deal. We appreciate it all. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. And if you are subscribing to us through the Lost Podcasting Network, uh, you can also subscribe to us directly through iTunes or through the rethinkinglost.podbean.com website. Uh, you're welcome to do that. We'll continue to release through the Lost Podcasting Network, but uh, if you want to get a chance to see what we actually have on our site in terms of show notes and all, please do check it out. If you've got any feedback or any old theories that you have or anything like that that you want to bring up or rib us about, then send it to rethinkinglost at gmail.com and then we'll read it out eventually. Yep. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, An, Apothea- An Apotheosis of a Bombast. An, apotheos- An Apotheosis of a Bombast, which is also through Podbean and iTunes. And it's chugging along quite nicely at the moment. Yep. So that's it. We'll see you guys in another week. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. See you later. Bye. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.